If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Allison Arngram, best known as Nellie Olson from Little House in the Prairie. And if you don't listen to the Feast of Fun podcast, I'm going to cut you, bitch. Allison Arngrim is loved and feared by people all over the world for playing Nellie Olson on one of the most popular TV shows of all time, Little House on the Prairie. One of the main reasons the show was so popular was the classic battle between good and evil that took place between the wholesome, freckled-faced Laura Ingalls and the lying, scheming, mean little rich girl with blonde locks, Nellie Olson. It's the intense scenes between the two child actresses in real-life best friends that made the show so intense, campy, and fun. As an adult, Allison's one-woman show became such a hit, and she got so many questions about Little House on the Prairie that she decided to put it all in a book, Confessions of a Prairie Bitch, How I Survived Nellie Olson and Learned to Love Being Hated. It's our favorite book of the year, and we think you'll love it too. The daughter of eccentric Hollywood parents, Allison was left on her own and sexually abused by her brother, the teen actor Stefan Arngrim. Allison credits playing a fabulous villain on TV with saving her sanity and allowing her to come to terms with her brother's abuse and family's neglect. She survived it all and has come out with a touching sense of humor and a fabulous outlook on life. Join us as we talk with the extraordinary Allison Arngrim about growing up in a crazy Hollywood home, her father's friendship managing Liberace, Nellie Olson as a verb, the performance group The Nellie Olsons, and everything about Little House on the Prairie, the wheelchair episode, why they drank so much on the set, and her TV husband, Steve Tracy, dying from AIDS in the 1980s. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast of fun. Today's show is brought to you by generous support of fabulous listeners like you. We really can't do the show without your support, so please visit our website, feastoffun.com, and make a donation. Buy a t-shirt. Your financial support makes all the difference. Thank Thank you. Oh, I guess we got her answering machine. I hope she's there. Hi, Allison. This is uh, Fausto Fernos with Feast of Fun. Uh, we had a... Hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Hi, Allison. Nice screening. That was so <laughs> Nellie Olson of you. Of course I screen. Oh, my God. If you were me, wouldn't you? <laughs> Think about the people who call. <laughs> Absolutely. All is wonderful. You know that actually we use the word Nellie Olson as a verb. <laughs> oh, that's very good. I like that. You want to hear what it is, the definition we have? Because oh, it could mean a lot of things. It could mean just to be evil. <laughs> um, to befriend someone with the intent of causing them harm. Nice, nice. Which is the very common usage. And then is to manipulate a person into saying things about another person with an earshot to get them into trouble. Oh, yes. 
Yes, yes, well, like the, the uh, talking machine episode. Oh, so as opposed to just pull a Nellie Olson, you actually use it in the verb form to Nellie Olson someone. Yes, yeah. to Nellie Olson I like Olson that, I like me. that a lot. I, I can honestly say I have been Nellie Olson several times. <laughs> <laughs> but in real life, you're actually far from being a bitch. You're actually a very lovely, wonderful, warm person. I don't go around Nellie Olson and other people, yes, it's true. <laughs> but uh, you, do you observe it when, when people do that to each other? Do you say, don't be like my evil character? Oh, I see people do stuff all the time, and I start like, oh, God, that was so Nelly. Oh, my God. You said uh, that someone's been calling you a bitch to your face every single day of my life since I was 11 years old. Yes, it, it is amazing. I mean, you know, it started then, and it was sort of astounding, and I, I'm surprised it's gone on as long. I, you know, I was just in Provincetown. Awesome. We were walking down the street and, and getting oysters, and this woman just simply turned to me in front of my friend and said, so do people still hate you? <laughs> and, and and one of my friends had really witnessed this sort of thing before. It's like, oh my god, she just actually asked you that. <laughs> like, yes, she was nice about it. And what was uh, your response? <laughs> but yes, people do say the most amazing things to me. You would think that in this age of social media, where so many of us are already in the public eye, to our friends, to our family, and to complete strangers, that we would get it. That Nellie Olson is just a character, a very good character, and you are Alison Arngrim, a human being. Most people now are are there have 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 crossed over and you know I mean kids are even relatively sophisticated I mean they make fun of you know people on TV and cartoons I think that people are sort of grasping that you know this TV is not real um, but it's odd there are people who still don't make that separation it really is weird or. It's ingrained from their childhood. They hated me so much when they were like eight. They just can't get over it. Well, it speaks to the power of that character. That character was so intense and just, I mean, people love to hate Nellie. Well, thank you. I mean, there you are. See, it is a compliment. You know, every actor, they always say, I want people to believe this is real. I want them to think I'm really deaf or crippled or whatever they're selling. And, And people seldom do. They go, that was a nice performance. But here, look what happened to me. People really did believe me. So, you know, it's it's everyone's going, oh, you're just a bitch. It's like, well, no, isn't this what every actor says they want for people to think it's real? So there you go. Well, haven't you hang out with James Earl Jones, who played Darth Vader in the Star Wars <laughs> movies, or, or certainly uh, some of these great Hollywood legends like Joan Crawford or Betty Davis and just traded notes? Well, no, now I have met up with Patty McCormick, the bad seed. Oh, how we nice. We did a whole photo session, an article together uh, in a magazine, Data Magazine, and we definitely compared notes. That was great fun. What did you learn from each other? Well, she, you know, led a relatively sheltered life. That's what's so funny. She actually was a very nice little girl. And she she was not really filled in. It was amazing that she was able to do it because people said, "Did you really get like all the stuff that was going on in this movie? Like how screwed up your character was, and sort of the stuff about like that creepy janitor?" Mm-hmm. And she said, "No, I was really sheltered." She said, "I didn't really get like the implications and all the horrible stuff that was going on in the film really till much later." But you, on the other hand, you <laughs> actually you knew Nellie was crazy from the very beginning. I did. No, I understood. I knew completely why Nellie was doing what <laughs> Nellie was doing. So your one woman show, Confessions of a Prairie bitch yes. was such a hit. You had to turn it into a, a book, and now it is on the. It, I, let me get this right. It's on the New York Times bestseller list. It did. It was actually three weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Now, to be fair, it, it was what? I, what did I get? I got thirty-five, then I went to thirty, then I went to thirty-three. I was pretty impressed. It's anywhere, but then that's three weeks. So that's pretty darn good. 
And we get sent a lot of books over here on Feast of Fun, and this is my personal number one favorite book of 2010. Oh, Absolutely. And I, and I like it's got a lot going on because it's like everyone had been asking me questions for years, and I talked about doing a book for years. And then once the, when the one-woman show became a hit, and, and then people started saying, well, as, as my literary agent said, hey, is there a book to go with this show? And so the book, though, is real. You know, as you found it, it includes stuff from the show and so much more. So there's something for everyone there, and, and it has. It's really the, the things that hit. Well, what is your live show like? Because you're doing a live show here in Chicago at Davenport's Piano Bar on September I 9th am. and 10th. And uh, so, because you originally did uh, just stand up, but then people wanted to know a lot about Little House, so you kind of changed the, the show. Yeah, what happened was I was doing regular stand up, and, and then it's when I first played New York in 2002. And they said, oh, you know, you got the really long show, and, you know, that crazy Joan Rivers is here, and you know what she says on stage, oh, my God. So I thought, wow. And then what I wound up doing is I started telling real, actual, true stories from my life, just as is. Well, the response was enormous. I told true stories about being the Prairie Bitch, about being a little house, about my family, absolute true stories, and people screamed their heads off. The response was just <laughs> violent, more so than anything I'd ever done in regular stand-up. And I literally chucked my old act and said, "Well, I'll be doing this from now on." <laughs> <laughs> did you ever? Did you ever ca- get to catch the uh, cabaret trio in San Francisco, the Nelly Olsons of three drag queens? Oh no, the Nelly Olsons—they're not yes. three drag queens. They're it two wasn't. men and a woman: Nora Burns, okay. Terrence Michaels, and John Cantwell. I've known them for years. They're my spiritual children. <laughs> <laughs> I could not be more proud if I gave birth. The Nellie Olsons uh, started in the early 90s, and they actually, I think, had four people at the time, two men and two women. Okay. A sort of gay-centered comedy sketch troupe. And I found out about them in, oh gosh, must have been like 93 or 4. And I called them at the theater. They were at the Theater Ridiculous in New York. And I rang up the theater, because someone had found a flyer and told me that there was a flyer with my picture on it, this Nellie picture on it. But with devil horns and a mustache drawn on it? <laughs> and it said something about sugar and spice and everything nice, but don't F it, the bitch. And it just had all this rude stuff on it, $3 off. If you mentioned Laura Ingalls, and I'm like, who are these people? So I called them. I called the theater, so I want to speak to Nellie Olsen. They said, who is it? They said, Allison Arngram. And you could, like, hear the phone clatter to the floor and somebody run down a hall. Sort of like, you know, at the end of Silence of the mm-hmm. Lambs, so they get the head of electric call just drop the phone. <laughs> Total terror. And Nora came to the phone, and I could tell they'd, like, drawn lots backstage. She's totally bad. She's like, hello. They're thinking, it's the lawyers calling. We're dead. And I said, who are you people, and why are you doing this? And they said, we worship you. I said, good answer. Well, then they came to L.A., and I wound up participating in their show at Highways and stuff. And I, they've now done AIDS benefits with me. We've been in other shows. I work with them all the time. And, of course, I went to Provincetown last week, and there they were. There was Nora, and there was Terrence. It was awesome. Did you plan it, or was it just by coincidence? Oh, no, they do P10 all the time. It was my first time over there, and as soon as I showed up, like, the first person I ran into was Nora. So it was like, hey, you're here. Cause well, because they're, they're, I've heard also there have been, like, troops of drag and Maybe I'm confusing them with uh, other people. Troops of drag queens have done shows, sort of theater of the ridiculous, all dressed up as Nellie Olson. Oh, people dress up as me all the time. Yeah, yeah the Nellies have always do like at least one Little House sketch, and that's where indeed uh, John Cantwell would dress up as me, and uh, Terrence <laughs> would be Mrs. Olson, and oh, he would call Laura and say, "You're nothing but Conestoga wagon trash." It's lovely. <laughs> And love those toys. And, and indeed, I would come interrupt their show dressed as Nellie and say, who said you could be me, you stupid queen? And it was, um, so, yes, we get along. There's a guy in Ohio who has a whole act, and he calls himself, he's right, he's just, his name is Nellie Olson. 
There are four bands in Europe, rock bands in Europe, called Nelly Olsen. The real Nelly Olsen, Nelly Olsen, the Nelly Olsen, several <laughs> bands. They're mostly French people. It's amazing <laughs> how popular in France, because you're even going, you're going to Folking France. Folking, yeah. Folking France, which is not, you know. A town of <laughs> It's actually a city. It's our it's town. It's a city. And I'm sold out in Folking. <laughs> So you like folking France, huh? I, lo- I love folking in France. So I'm, I like folking so much I'm sold out. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Seems like Nellie Olson is a cottage industry and it's yeah. a brand. <laughs> yes. And thankfully, you've embraced that character 110%. Oh, I know. It's just terrible. People do they, they get... Well, you know, at first you think, how can this be? Because you never really pick the thing that's going to resonate with people, make them go nuts. You don't know which character, what it's going to be. And, and especially if it's something as a kid, because you don't really, you know, depending how old you are, like some of these poor people who've gotten to TV, they're four. You know, like they really pick that, right? Mm-hmm. And you're a kid, so you didn't really have that much choice over it. And then you get a character, and you didn't pick that character, and all of a sudden, that's the thing people latch on to. Yes, yeah, an actor, you're going, oh, man, wait a minute, I, I would have picked a different character if I had a But in many ways, being Nellie Olson really had a profound, positive impact on your life. You said, being Nellie Olson saved my life. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing is, is that I did embrace it. I mean, I saw how much fun all these other people were having with it. The Nellie Olson. The, well, I, I don't want to miss out. I'm cashing in, too. But it's like, you know, we can't beat them, join them, and cash in. Um, I, of course, I did always like Nellie. If I had been watching Little House at Home and not been in TV and just been watching the show as a regular person, I would have watched to see Nellie and Mrs. Olson. I would have been one of those people. I would have loved Nellie. So the fact that I got to, in fact, be her and it resonated so much, well, yes, I'm very proud. So I'm not ashamed of the character of the show. So when it all kind of hit the fan, at first I was like, oh, of all the ridiculous things. And then I went, wait, this is great. (laughs) So I've jumped all over. And in reality, now as a grown-up, I look back, well, you know, things didn't always go that well for me. As they talk about in the book, I got abused as a kid. And, and I was bully fodder at school. I was so the Laura. I got pummeled. And yeah, here but I let, was. Let's, let's, let's go yeah. talk about uh, after the first season, right. you go back to school and L.A. gang members <laughs> come up to you and they're like, yo, respect. Because Nelly was, th- was a thug. <laughs> we're kicking everybody's ass all over the school. They were insanely dangerous. And, and it was just constant. And I was already beaten up. So when this group shows up, and they were absolutely, they were totally like Ladies Aid Society, the Crips. When they said, hi, are you Alice? I thought, oh, I'm dead. I'm just dead. And then they said, we like you. You beat the crap out of that stupid Laura. <laughs> but you know what? Your heart melts when you, when you torture that young girl. It's like, you yeah. are so good. You are so they good at freaking being this character. It. So I thought, well, I'm saved. Okay. And, and it's true. And then, and then with everything that happened in my life to then have this character who's so mean, but powerfully so, and who scares other people, what a fabulous thing for me to get to do. <laughs> well, let's talk, let's talk about growing up in Hollywood and uh, why this character had such a saved your life. Um, you're, you were the daughter of, which I'm actually a big fan of your mom's, Norma <laughs> McMillan. 
who does the voice of Gumby, Casper, and Davy, and Davy and Goliath. And everybody else. In and Creep Polly Purebred Underdog's girlfriend. Oh, that's right, an underdog. Big popular one, yes. Mm-hmm. All underdog fans. Sweet Polly, her own self. And your dad is Thor Arngrim, who was yes. Liberace's manager for a while, and you got to hang out with Liberace and Christine Jorgensen, the first yes. person widely known to have a sex change from being a man into a woman. Yes, these were typical family friends. <laughs> <laughs> what a fabulous family. Go to Liberace shows, hang out at dinner with Christine Jorgensen. Yes. Well, what was the re- relationship like? Your father was uh, Liberace's manager, but yes. your father was also gay. Was there any kind of romantic interest there at all? Uh, no, definitely not Liberace's type. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't younger and blonde and didn't wear a fur coat. Uh, <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. so and you said that when you actually had discovered that Christine Jorgensen was uh, a transsexual person, um, that it was really powerful and liberating for you as a I kid. I was thrilled. Yeah, my parents, because she was really young, and she was just this lady who came over, Auntie Christine. But I really liked her. She was a very nice person. And so when my parents said, well, you know, we should tell you, blah, 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 Auntie Christine used to be a man, uh, instead of being upset or horrified, I was sort of fascinated, because, like, really? They can do that? <laughs> like, what a fabulous, you know, forward step. Science is on the march. I thought this was very exciting. <laughs> And, of course, being a kid, I didn't know what it meant. Like I said, I, I thought you could have surgery to become anything. Giraffe, monkey, fire truck. You know. <laughs> Did you ever want to become like uh, anything else yourself as a kid? Well, or? When they, they said this, I said, this, so this is possible. So you can actually do this. They figured out a way to do this. That if I, if I woke up tomorrow and said, oh, it's all been a mistake, I'm supposed to be a guy, I could pick up the phone and like have this fixed. And they were saying, well, it's a little complicated, but technically, yes. I said, this is a miracle. This is fantastic. This is great news. <laughs> Did you want to become something yourself? Well, I, you know, because I thought that it could be anything. So I thought, like, you know, could you turn into an animal or something? Mm. Like, you could become a monkey. Like, you know, I joke about wanting fire truck surgery. I just thought, well, it meant anything was possible. Interspecies. And, and yeah, and then when I you know, realized even then, well, okay, it is just male to female, female to male, and no, you're not supposed to just go back and forth like there's a party next week, I'll have surgery, become the other one. Um, but it still, it resonated with me that it was possible. Because remember, this is like the mid-60s. The, the feminist movement was just really starting to get in swing. Remember, things were still really weird for women. You still mm-hmm. couldn't really get credit in your own name. I mean... And there was a lot of debate about men's roles and women's roles and what men and women had to be, were supposed to be, were allowed to be. And it was all very weird. And when here at an early age, someone told me, of course, if that doesn't work out, they can fix it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, damn, why didn't somebody tell me these things? I thought that was genius. And, you know, although, yes, I grew up and went, oh, yeah, apparently I am indeed a female. The realization that, you know, when people talk about biology as destiny, that biology was clearly not destiny. Yeah, it did. That's a very weird thing to learn at an early age. Mm. That really changes your outlook on life. It's fascinating. Well, do you think that maybe this unconventional childhood and also being Nellie Olson sort of protected you or prepared you um, to, to survive being molested at the hands of your brother Stefan for years Mm-hmm. And even given drugs by him and his friends. It's true. What, what happened to me as a kid, uh, which sadly is insanely common, is going on all over the place, mm. was really a drag and really, really dehumanizing, you know, really being treated as an object, not a person. 
And that kind of demeaning, dehumanizing stuff takes a terrible toll on people's minds and their personality. I have a lot of friends in the same position. So to be denied all your freedom of choice, to be denied your personhood, but then to be given this information of all of this other possible freedom and personhood, then to be given this other personality that you get to be, who is obviously much tougher and braver and meaner than you, that really kind of makes you, it, it sort of, you know, turns everything on its head. It takes all your thinking about the way things are and thinking, well, I'm just doomed. This is the way everything has to be. And suddenly you find yourself saying, no, it doesn't. I don't have to be like this. This doesn't have to be like this. Things could be different. And that, yeah, that's really empowering to someone who's being just totally beaten down and thinks there's no way out. I was shown that there's absolutely ways out, many ways out. And I think that's why that, that, that sh- being shown that there was choice, there was freedom, there was hope, absolutely did wonders for me. And, you know, why I'm able to, you know, walk the streets, operate a motor vehicle, and function today. Allison, I think what I really appreciate about your book, too, is that even though we may not necessarily have been um, molested or, or sexual abuse victims, right. we still can relate to the fact that sometimes we are victims of abusive people or abusive absolutely. actions. We, we, all, we all get in these horrible situations where we're disempowered, de- dehumanized, and treated like crap. I really like this quote that you have. Uh, you said, if people feel that the perpetrator is their friend, often they will reject the victim. And you try to tell your parents and they didn't believe you. Well, right. And that, that's from the number of people who run into that, where they say, well, this person couldn't have done that. He's such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And it's not based on logic. It's not based on any facts or their knowledge of the situation. It's just based on they've decided this person couldn't do this because they've decided he's a nice guy. And you kept this mostly a secret throughout your whole life. In fact, you came forward as an adult on Larry King. Yes. What was your family's reaction to that? Well, actually, my, my dad was uh, very supportive. He, you know, as I talk about it in the book. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, he was saying, well, yes, you should do this. It's great. On the other hand... Because everything in my household was so warped, it was all about TV. <laughs> my father went, oh, my God, you're on Larry King for the hour. <laughs> and I was like, um, Dad, you do know what I'm going to be talking about on Larry King? Yes, yes, of course. It's terrible. I'm so glad you're doing this. But you're going to be on for the hour? There's no other guests? Oh, my God, I'm calling everyone. <laughs> but did anybody in your family apologize? Because I imagine if that were my, if you had been my daughter and that had happened, I would have been heartbroken. Oh, the, oh my brother, the perpetrator? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, not at all. No, but did your father, did your mother apologize? When I told my mother in, in the 80s, yes, absolutely. She was, she was very taken aback, and she was very apologetic, as was my father. Because you were saying that you were worried that they were not going to even speak to you after coming forward with that. Yeah, that's what one worries about, but um, no, they did. But that is often the case for a lot of victims, though. Like you, you write, you write that you know they are the victim is often rejected, and we've experienced that. I mean, not in that severe level, but it's like when you're when you're when you're in a situation where you're being abused by somebody, mm-hmm. and th- there's people observing that abuse. Mm-hmm. If they're friends with a person giving you that abuse, ch- and you come forward and you stand up for yourself, most of the time, the people are going to take the side of the bully. They do. They do. Well, how many how many people? have like had trouble going home for the holidays because they're the gay kid in the family and there's a relative who like openly insults them and is completely hideous to them and they try to tell the rest of the family and they're like nah (laughs) and you're supposed to be nice to them at christmas i think that's the thing about little house on the prairie and your character and why that character and and that show was so powerful 
because it taught everybody how to deal with abuse and how to deal with bullies. It did. It was marvelous for that because everyone mm-hmm. does know Nelly Olson. You talk about using Nelly as a verb. Mm-hmm. Do you know in Ireland, they actually, the word the Nelly now means the bully. In school in Ireland, they'll say, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, she's the Nelly. Well, I wonder, too, like when you talk about like a feminine gay man or you call him a Nelly queen, is that any relation to, I know the, the, the word's probably been along before the TV show. It, yeah. yeah, it I, does predate it, but do you know how many people, young book? gay men have said to me, is the fact that gay men say you Nelly Queen related to Nelly Olsen. And I'm like, oh my God, it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> it's a very, very old word. Uh-huh. Uh, the nervous Nellies was uh, a term for a certain political group. I mean, it goes back to like an election. It was like oh. that kind of thing, muscling in the election. And somehow Nelly got popular and became Nelly, Nelly Queen. And, and so it's an ancient word, <laughs> like, like pansy. It goes way back. It is amazing how many people uh, actually have said they really thought that gay men called each other Nelly because of Nelly Olson. I probably added fuel to the fire. Now your bo- Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Book tour is taking you around the world. You're going to many places. And you're going to Walnut Grove. Have you been there yet? I did Walnut Grove. I did Walnut Grove. You did it already. I did. I did an entire weekend in Walnut Grove. It was the whole uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder days. And they had a big pageant and the thing, and oh, I sold every book in the store. They tore the place apart. It was great. It's, it's a <laughs> wonderful book. I mean, it's seriously, like, and I want every listener to enjoy it as much as we did to go out and buy it. We have a link on it on our website, feastofun.com. Um, let's talk about your iconic character. Yes. In real life, it was based off of three people the real Laura Ingalls knew, but the main evil girl's family was in publishing. So she was worried that she was going to be banned, so she named her after another bratty kid she knew. <laughs> right. She knew three awful girls, Stella Gilbert and another one. But Nellie, Nellie Owens was actually her real name, Nellie Owens, who lived in Walnut Grove, who apparently was pretty bad. Um, but then she decided to have the character Nellie show up again when she was a teenager. And that's, I think, when she used a lot of the other two girls, as I said, one of whom's dad was in publishing. So when they wrote the book, it's like, oop, not using that name. Um, <laughs> and she even changed Nellie's name because I think she still feared her and thought she'd come after her. So um, I've been to the grave of the real Nellie Owens, though. She's buried up uh, in Oregon, just outside Portland. Did you take your picture there? I did. I took pictures. I took video. I lay on her grave and said, thank you for being a bitch so I could have a career. <laughs> well, and so I could have a life, too. <laughs> right? You know? My God, yeah. Do you think a lot of bitchy girls and mean, cruel people are just suffering from some sort of abuse? I know that when people stick their noses up at me, really they hate themselves more than they hate me, and for them to feel good about themselves, they look down upon others in order to lift themselves up. Oh, very often, very often, absolutely. You know, people, yeah, I mean, you know, being evil and sadistic, yes, they're trying to find a way to empower themselves. So you can't hate those snobs any more than they hate themselves already. 
Yeah. Now, some of them, I mean, it's a hatred. It's not really like you say low self-esteem. They feel very entitled, <laughs> obviously. They think they're quite grand. But, yes, they are living their own kind of weird misery. It is. It's not pretty. If they were happy, no, they wouldn't have any need to torture you. Melissa Sue Anderson, for Speaking example. Speaking of which. <laughs> is she your personal Nelly? I'm telling you, I don't know what her trip was, but we were on the set, and it was just it was as if she'd gotten some memo that Melissa Gilbert and I were juvenile delinquents and to be avoided at all costs. Well, in, in, in the years past, and, and certainly as adults now, she avoids anything having to anything to do with Little House on the yeah, Prairie. She really distanced herself from anything prairie and like moved to Canada and, and, and renounced her American citizenship, became a Canadian, the whole bit. Has she read your book? I probably not. Well, you I, send her I, a copy. We, we don't have any knowledge that she's ever read a book, actually. Um, we <laughs> send don't her know. the audio book. Right. We know that there was a TV Guide article, and the guy who wrote the TV Guide mm-hmm. article called her up and read her selections from my book, and also oh. read me from her book. Oh, he was totally trying to, you know, start a scene here. Mm-hmm. And what sure. happened? Well, she totally was non-responsive. See, that's the thing that's like spooky about her. She didn't, like, say, how dare she? She went silent on the phone, and he asked her specific questions, like, well, what are your parents' names, and do they live together? And, and she didn't say no comment. She went silent. Well, isn't that kind of like what your relationship has really been? It hasn't been one really of hers been, like, antagonistic towards you or teasing you or taunting you, but just ignoring you. Yeah, and I mean, she was actually, like I said, she was openly insulting when we were kids. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, and she then, you know, she got older. It was just kind of, you people do not exist. And she's still kind of in the do not exist mode. It's very mm-hmm. strange. She doesn't know what anybody else from the show has done or anything. Keep up on us. Because, like, uh, she was quoted in the TV Guide saying, well, they only go to cast reunions because they have nothing else to do. It's like, Matt Laberto came to a cast reunion in Nebraska, and he's one of the most hardworking voiceover artists in New York. He's, like, insanely successful. He doesn't even need to get out of bed, let alone come to a gas reunion. <laughs> Do you think Melissa Sue Anderson uh, might have suffered uh, molestation or abuse herself? Right. See, I have no idea. And there, that does sort of beg the question. She was so intensely secretive about her family. As I said, even literally the name. You know, what's your father's name? Who? I mean, she had like, there is no father. There is no sister or brother. There's nobody in the to to do that and, and to write an autobiography where you literally don't mention your family members' names. Hmm, that's and That's just sort of like odd. I mean, you you don't know what they did for a living or who these people are. And her mother, her mother was there every day on the set. Mm-hmm. Was a major fixture and a character in the whole story of the series. Really, she was there all the time, just as the hairdressers and my Annie Marion was. And yet, in Melissa's own book, her mother was there every day. She just barely exists. She's mentioned a few times. That's so strange. Well, I have to tell you, one, of my, one of my favorite episodes of Little House is when Laura discovers fool's gold. Oh, my God, yeah. She thinks she's going to be rich and that Nellie Olson is now going to have to suck up to her. But in, in real life, you and Melissa Gilbert were very good friends. But in fact, she, her family was very well off and you were living in an apartment on the Strip. Right, that's what's so funny mm-hmm. is that, yeah, I love that episode, too, because it has the fabulous dream sequences where Laura mm-hmm. is rich and Nellie is poor, mm-hmm. and, oh, it's fantastic, she gets to wear the white dress and the little carriage and everything. <laughs> um, oh, it's lovely, and I'm in rags, and everything. Uh, <laughs> it's really good. You oh, must... yeah, Mr. Olsen comes out in rags, and he looks totally like like just Emmett Kelly the clown. With the, um, Did you have a lot of fun filming that episode? Yeah, it was one of the best ones. I didn't have to wear the wig all day. It was fabulous. Um, 
But yeah, in real life, exactly. Poor little Laura Ingalls. Well, her dad was the actor Paul Gilbert, and her grandfather was Harry Crane of the Honeymooners, for God's sakes. She had this big, beautiful house in Encino when you had maids and cooks and, you know, expensive cars. And my parents, you know, as I said, she had a live-in maid. My family had my father in a dustbuster. <laughs> and we lived in a small apartment in West Hollywood and drove, you know, a pacer. It's, it's a just, pacer? We had pacers. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the, the most famous episode of all time. Uh, audiences vote this, their favorite episode whenever they're being polled, and it's probably one of the most remembered television programs of all time, is the wheelchair episode where you fall off of a horse and emotionally blackmail Laura into being your caretaker. I I pretend to be crippled. The episode's actually called Bunny, although everyone refers to it as down the hill in the wheelchair episode. It's the wheel. Let's uh, the wheelchair episode. I mean, everybody knows that. Everyone, literally, every country, everyone I talk to. If you, what's your favorite episode? Down the hill in the wheelchair, and everyone's always delighted to hear that. Of course, it is my favorite as well. Um, but it really is, and I think why I like it is because Nellie isn't just ruining Laura's life that week. She actually destroys everyone in town by by pretending to be crippled and keeping it up as long as she does, and saying she's paralyzed, she's never going to walk again. Doc Baker is is totally destroyed by this. I mean, it, it makes it look like he can't help her. <laughs> He's now got this patient he can't save, and the mother's screaming at him. Her parents have a near breakdown. Poor poor Mr. Olsen is off crying in the, behind the mercantile. Paul Ingalls has to drop what he's doing and make her a wheelchair. She's now extended. <laughs> she's now messing with the grown-ups. <laughs> well, and so your arm was really broken at, the, at that time, though. Yes, that's the funny thing. I did have the real broken arm, which made it very weird. I'm pretending I can't walk and I have an actual broken arm. I, of course, I, like an idiot, had gone skateboarding. Not really what you want to do when you're on a TV series. You can't be showing up with bumps and bruises and broken arms. <laughs> I'll never forget the look on Doc Baker's face as he's poking you with that pen. Yeah. And they're like, can you feel that? And, yeah. like, <laughs> and, and how psycho is this girl that she even lies there and lets herself get stabbed in the foot with a needle and goes, nope. Didn't feel nothing. Uh, the actress Catherine McGregor. Yes. Salute to her, Harriet, Mrs. Olson. Genius, genius. She, you worked with. She was. Kind of, I mean, she was your TV mom, but yeah. uh, she was very loud, had bad memory, and wanted to give all the actors acting lessons. Well, she knew best. <laughs> so in real life, she really and in was. A way, like I mean, her. you look at her performance. Clearly, she was on to something. Um, <laughs> but indeed, she she wanted to help everyone, which unfortunately meant telling everybody what to do, as if she was Mrs. Olsen, which drove a lot of people completely batty. Um, but you know, it <laughs> wasn't bad; just totally unsolicited. Uh, mad as a hatter and absolutely brilliant. Um, and and of course, not cruel like Mrs. Olson. I mean, I always say that woman takes in stray animals and people. She's she's just awesome. Yeah, and you guys went to an actual event dressed up as the characters of the show, and you start, got physically assaulted and attacked. Big freaking mistake, right? So we're thinking, oh, it'll be great. We'll go to this fair. And, and you know, some, I don't know, must have been a friend. Someone must have been friends with somebody at NBC to con them and thinking this is a good idea. It's private school. And so there's Mrs. Olson, there's Catherine and I in full Mrs. Olson Nellie drag. Nobody wanted her autograph. Nobody wanted to talk to us. We're terrified. <laughs> and all these little children are screaming and crying and running away at the sight of her. And yeah, and two little girls finally just came up and kicked me right in the butt and knocked me face down the pavement. It was great. Oh.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. That's indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, do, do, horrifying. you were saying that everybody, they were all drunks. Pretty much, you know. They were all drinking kind of at the like time. It's like an episode of Mad Men where everyone just constantly has a cigarette and a drink like it's normal. Like it's breathing. Like if somebody on Mad Men said, no, that's okay. I don't feel like a 17th martini. They'd say, are you feeling okay? It was kind of like that. So when Laura Ingalls, um, uh, Melissa Gilbert, hugs her dad, Michael Landon, he's probably smelling like whiskey. <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, and Melissa's talked about that, that years later, she's just always attracted to guys who reeked of tobacco and whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was gorgeous, uh, you know, on the show. And, and so, so why do you think, I mean, looking back on it, why do you think Michael Landon and all these great actors were drinking at the time? Do you think it, it helped them get emotional? Because there's so much crying on that show. Well, I think they were using it, you know, sort of actually, you know, stave off, you know, some sort of real emotions that may have been bothering them. They were trying to be manly men. You know, the crew and, and Michael, they all came out of Bonanza. These guys all really came up in the 50s. And it was all that real, you know, Robert Mitchum manly men. And you mm -hmm. drank and you smoked and you spat tobacco and you swore. And you were a man's man. And you got in fights. And, you know, <laughs> and, and this was considered really cool. It, it, you know, this, wasn't, this was still the early 70s. This wasn't the 80s where they had, like, no smoking sets and, mm -hmm. and macrobiotic vegetarian health food at the catering table. <laughs> this was the 70s. We had meat. Oh, yeah, meat on that, 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 uh, that catering cart. It was steak every day. Meat well, I mean, do you think they were drinking on their weekends and their time off as well? Like, is, is they were drinking all the time? Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing, is, is that when we'd have the big rap parties, we'd go to the racetrack, and then they'd come back and be a party at the soundstage. Oh, now it was a party. Then the actual drinking would begin which was truly amazing to watch after the basic maintenance, just going to work drinking. Now, your husband, your TV husband, actor Steve Tracy, yes. you guys were friends and he actually yes. died of AIDS. He did. He died of AIDS in November of 86. A oh, very wonderful person. Well, good actor, but also a really cool guy. And he was very brave. I mean, this is when, 
it was all experimental treatments, and, and he was having to endure all sorts of experimental treatments were very painful. And he went public with his diagnosis when nobody talked about this stuff. It was awesome. Well, and that got you actually motivated to, to fight for the cause, and you actually manned the phone banks. So yep. somebody, if somebody called if during that time period in L.A., they could have talked to Nellie Olson about HIV and AIDS. Indeed. If you were calling the Southern California AIDS hotline, in fact, we had a raft. As well. We also could have actually gotten Quinn Cummings, depending what time you called. And would you be like, yes, I'm Nellie Olson from the TV show? Well, no, see, that was a great thing. Nobody knew. We never identified ourselves, you know. We'd just say hi. If they insisted on a name, you'd just get a first name. And I'm sure several people made up their first names. Now, something really touched me is that you, you decided you, you committed yourself to the organization because uh-huh. you overheard somebody say they all leave when their friend dies. Yes, that oh, overheard to my face. They oh. went, you won't stay. I mean, your friend died. I mean... You know, you stick it out because you can, everybody comes here because somebody's sick. But pretty much once the person dies, they fold up, they collapse, they go home. So I guess they figured out that st- being in a wheelchair wasn't going <laughs> to fool you. Right. <laughs> you know. And it, you, show, you know, it's like, no, I, I, I wasn't that kind of person. I, I you know, I, I was for real. And I did stick it out. And it was difficult. I mean, you know, we had, we had all these classes on death and dying and grief and stuff. And, you know, Steve was actually dying, like, right in the middle of that segment of training. So it was pretty brutal. But I guess what got me is Steve, as awful things were for him, was a very lucky person. His mother and his sister completely stood by him. He also, having been on TV, had all sorts of resources, all sorts of cash and insurance and things that, Mm -hmm. well, most people don't have. And so seeing that most people at that time in 86 who had AIDS like Steve, their mother was not on the next plane out. And they did not have the cash to go to the doctor, and things were just horrible for them. You know, made me think, well, these people need help. And and then also, as I said, it was crazy. People were calling me up and asking me the weirdest questions. And I thought, well, if they want medical advice from Nellie Olson, perhaps I better go find something to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Drink lots of water. Well, I don't remember. Yeah, right. I mean, what did they expect me to say? Let's call up the chick who played Nellie Olson. She knew a guy with AIDS. Let's all ask her what to do. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, people write to us for medical advice all the time. I'm like, uh, see a doctor. But uh, right? I know we're running out of time here, but we do have some questions from some of our listeners via oh, please, Facebook. Yeah. So it says, uh, Jay Culpa says, I've read Confessions of a Prairie Bitch, devoured it in less than 24 hours. Oh, beautiful. I applaud your volunteer work, and I'm glad to see you back in the public spotlight. Telling it like it is. Perhaps you could be on the next round of Dancing with the Stars. Yes. Now, they just cast this round, uh-huh. and my good friend Margaret Cho is on, and my other good friend Florence Henderson, who oh. I love. They're both on. But, you know, when you're doing your 70s TV stars, there is a list that goes around. And my understanding is that Nellie Olson was just like one or two behind mm-hmm. Mrs. Brady. So since Florence is on, I know my name just got bumped further up the list. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, so, yes, I'm totally looking. There's a Facebook page to try to get me on Dancing with the Stars, well, and I'm all for it. I will join it. Well, John Harrod said, speaking of the Bradys, if there was such a thing as time travel, could Nellie have kicked the shit out of the Bradys? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Jan would have been the one to come home in tears. She was so mean to me. <laughs> Um, uh, Kathy Feehan wants to know if making the Yuletide gay was as fun as it seemed. Oh, probably even more. We had so much fun. Make the Yuletide gay is this adorable movie. It's on Netflix. It's on iTunes. We had so much fun making that thing. We had a lot of, there was a lot of cutting because of people breaking up. I mean, they had hours of blooper reels because we were in hysterics and they had to keep stopping because people broke up and just started laughing. Well, we want to thank you so much for talking to us. Oh, thank you. Allison Arngrim, the book is... 
Confessions of a Confessions of a Prairie Bitch. How I Survived Nellie Olson and Learned to Love Being Hated. Too true. Best book of 2010, Feast oh, of Fun. Um, recommended for everybody. And you're doing a book signing here in Chicago on September 11th at I 2 am. p.m. at the Borders on Clark and Diversity. A oh, book yes. signing to end all book signings. Oh, my book signings are great because I talk, I take questions, I hand out little bookmarks. It's great fun. And they basically, like, they get sick and tired of you until the phone's like, stop hanging around with me. <laughs> <laughs> do you miss playing uh, Nelly? Do you, I mean, in a way, like, do you miss those days at all? I mean, all the abuse aside, but it's like, it seems like it was a really wonderful time with your friendship with Melissa Gilbert. It was. It was. I mean, physically, it was very demanding. Obviously, the heat and the wig and stuff, and I just sort of cringe when I think about that. But absolutely, the clomping out into the middle of nowhere in the desert with Melissa Gilbert all day and hearing Michael Landon bark orders and seeing people grind out their cigarettes and put down their beer cans and yell action, it was a scream. We loved it. Because I think that really what made that show work was your friendship with Melissa and, and, and the way... That sometimes when you're playing with an actor, that you're the villain and, and they're your greatest foe, you know, it's, 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 you need to have a really close intimacy, almost even closer than being husband and wife. Well, exactly. You know, villain and hero, it, it does become an intense, intimate relationship in itself. And Melissa has even said in interviews, because we're friends, she said, I think that allowed us to go further mm-hmm. with the characters than we would have if we weren't so close, because we knew nobody was going to get hurt. And that's why they cast Melissa Sue Anderson as the icy sister. <laughs> <laughs> and then they made her go blind because she wouldn't even, she didn't want to oh, make out with a guy. Her was a pain in the ass. Every time Laura ever does anything fun, Mary's always, I'm telling Ma. It's like, shut up, you little narc. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to really salute you for, for being so courageous and coming forward and, to, and with such a grace and dignity and and a and sense humor. of humor yeah i mean really gay men especially really appreciate what you've done for the world thank and you, thank you very much continue and we're looking forward to seeing you here in chicago awesome i'm looking forward to going there too I've, I've never performed there so i'm really looking forward to it can you do one last thing for us sure say this is allison arngrim best known as nelly olson uh-huh. and if you don't listen to the feast of fun podcast I'm going to cut you, bitch. <laughs> I think we can do that. Okay. Say, hey, ready, set, go. Go. This is Allison Arngram, best known as Nellie Olson from Little House in the Prairie. And if you don't listen to the Feast of Fun podcast, I'm going to cut you, bitch. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, Allison. Thank okay. you so much. Love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Allison Arngrim lives in sunny California in L.A., somewhere in L.A., in an undisclosed location. <laughs> but I'm sure you can buy a map to the star's homes and find out where she lives. <laughs> and pay a little visit to Nellie Olson. And you can also find her book, uh, Confessions of a Prairie Bitch, How I Survived Nellie Olson, and Learn to Love Being Hated at our website, feastoffun.com. And if you live in Chicago, you can go check her out on September 11th, a book signing at Borders, or even better yet, go to her live show at Davenport's Piano Bar, September 9th and 10th. We highly recommend it, and we're going to try to make it ourselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can't wait uh, wait to see it. It looks yeah. fantastic. It's fantastic. And she, what a lovely person and, and just an extraordinary woman and extraordinary life. Uh, just a great book. Best book of 2010. Okay.
And uh, the year's not over yet. I'm so glad we got to talk to her because I've always been a big fan of... Well, I grew up watching Little House on the Prairie. My family always watched it. My parents were from Minnesota, so it kind of... Uh, they really liked it, too. And we as a person as a who's been tormented by real-life Nellie Olsons, <laughs> it's really nice to know that the uh-huh. real-life... The woman behind the Nellie Olson is actually more like me and less like those villains. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, my family in Minnesota, too, around that time, uh, actually owned a mercantile. In, in rural Minnesota. Your family? My family, yeah, my mom's side. So of the you family. were like the real life Nellie Olson? Not me, like way back then. Your father smells like a donkey and can't shop <laughs> in our store. Uh, so we're going to leave you here with Burning Witch, the song by Rachel Sage, available on our website, feastofun.com. If you like today's show, repost it on Facebook, Twitter it, let the world know how fabulous Allison Arngrim is. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Feast of Fun and follow us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Feast of Fun. And if you're on YouTube, YouTube.com slash Feast of Fun. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. Bye, everybody. To any digging ditch for as far as eyes can see. Cause you're a burning witch. Inside love's burning question The last time I sang your name My voice burst into open flame Your silence deafened everything Don't you know the time Is a window to God's soul I think you're fine As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.